Welcome to Around Kansas. I'm Deb Goodrich. And I'm Michelle Martin. And it's Friday Fun Day, and I can't think of anybody more, more fun than Buffalo Bill Cody, who is riding and hunting forever right behind me here in Oakley. This is the Buffalo Bill Monument that was um, created by our dear friend Charlie Norton. And it is one of the most photographed spots in Kansas, I must say. And this photograph, which is just wonderful, is one that my daughter Noelle took a few days ago. So I, I love this image. I just, I love this viewpoint of, of Bill. Of course, I love Bill in any picture. So there you have it. And actually today behind me, I actually have grass, tall grasses, uh, during an ice storm when I lived in Fort Scott, and I believe this was in 2005, we had a lovely ice storm, and I, uh, we, got, we had a rare day off at Fort Scott Community College, and the roads were very slick, so I walked to Fort Scott National Historic Site, took my camera and my tripod, got out my gear and sat, and took photographs of the grasses and the trees and the branches and the different plants that have been covered in ice. And uh, yeah, it was a little chilly, but it was a great day getting out and taking photos in Kansas. So that's what we're talking about today. Friday Fun Day is all about photography. And fortunately, we have some very talented photographers who take incredible images all around Kansas. And we use those a lot on our Around Kansas Facebook page. I change that out, try to every couple of days, and we have had some incredible images shared on there. And I um, usually, I troll, and I troll some of the Facebook pages, like Kansas Photography 2.0 is one of my favorites. And I, the people, never cease to amaze me with some of the images and they choose a theme every week and then they um, you know people take photographs that kind of keep within that theme and it can be everything from clouds to the color purple um, birds I mean just all kinds of things but they always produce spectacular results and I can take a decent photograph, but some people like Michelle here, like Noelle, Noelle can take the stand in the same place that I do, take the same angle, and somehow her photograph is a work of art and mine's just a picture. You know, it's just a snapshot. But Michelle, you've, how long have you been a photographer? You know, Deb, I, I started dabbling with cameras and taking pictures when I was a kid growing up in Michigan. Um, the first camera I remember playing with was a Kodak Instamatic and it had the little film that you dropped in. Um, and But it had the little flash cubes. I'm dating myself here, folks, flash cubes. Most of our viewers, our, especially our younger viewers, don't know what a flash cube is. Oh, no, Michelle, you can find them in museums now. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. And, uh, but flash cubes, folks, for those who are uh, young enough and don't know, um, flash, the flash was not always an inbuilt part of the camera. You had to go ahead and attach it to the camera, and they used to do it with cute little cubes uh, that would flash, and you'd get four flashes per cube, and then you'd have to change it out. 
But yeah, I started with a Instamatic and Flash Cubes. And then I thought I was really living high on the hog when my grandpa Martin would let me use his Polaroid. And how many of us have not shot a photo with a Polaroid? And when it shot that picture out of the camera and you held it and then you waved it back and forth, thinking it would make it dry faster, but it didn't. Um, I think it was just something to do to keep you from being bored while the, pro while the photo developed. Um, I can remember shooting Polaroids. But really, um, when I was in college at Western Michigan University, I had the opportunity to work on some public history projects that required I learn how to use a camera. And I bought a secondhand camera loaded some film in and just started taking pictures. I started wandering around uh, campus. I wandered around downtown Kalamazoo. I wandered around all kinds of places just taking pictures. And what I learned was that I viewed the world differently. When mm -hmm. I looked through the viewfinder, things looked different to me. And I started looking at how could I look at something different through the camera? Was it by doing an extreme close-up? Was it by a, a, a neat angle? Was it the lighting? Uh, was it the time of day that I took the photos? And to be honest, I'm self-taught. Um, I probably should take a class or two, but I had a good piece of advice that was given to me by the Kansas photographer, Gordon Parks. And he told me that some, you know, the best camera is whatever camera you have available. And that sometimes while being technically correct as a photographer is great, sometimes you just have to follow your heart and your gut, that instinct, that feeling you get when you look at something. And he said to never uh, go so far to the technical side that I would lose that connection with my instinct or my gut. And I have to say that has served me well. Um, and so I've been taking photos since, you know, I was a, a, a preteen. Well, that is certainly wonderful advice, no matter what your uh, chosen um, or calling, you know, maybe it's not just the path you chose, but your, your calling, that's, that's wonderful advice. And if I uh, recall, Michelle, Gordon said that um, his favorite photo of himself is one that you took. Yeah, I, I was really fortunate. I got to meet him uh, before he passed away. And it was a trip that he made back home to Fort Scott. And it was the first time he had been back to Fort Scott since he shot the film, The Learning Tree. Mm -hmm. um, his relationship with his home state of Kansas and his hometown was very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, while he was growing up as a young African-American male, he grew up at a time when Jim Crow ruled supreme. And he experienced uh, firsthand and witnessed firsthand um, the brutality and the horror of racism in Kansas. And when his mother died, uh, he left Kansas and went to live with, his, with one of his sisters uh, in Minnesota. And that's when he picked up a camera. And I think, um, you know, his experience 
he stayed away for a long time. When he came home, he was making peace and kind of reckoning with things. Mm -hmm. But I took a photograph of him uh, during a press conference. And I remember all the other press photographers, I mean, they had the top of the line digital. They had the, the camera bodies that were several thousand dollars and, the, and you know, the, the, the lenses that were several thousand dollars. And I was shooting with an Olympus C8080 point and shoot digital camera that had some ability to play with your aperture and your shutter speed and other things. And I had switched it over to shoot black and white. Everybody else was shooting color. And then they would, if they wanted to create a black and white, they'd have to strip the color out. But why not just shoot black and white from the beginning? And I, they, you know, their shutters, you could hear click, 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 click. And I was waiting and I was watching him and I was watching his movements and his expressions. And he happened to look over toward me and there was just this very wistful expression on his face and I hit the shutter. And after I did, he kind of smiled, kind of got, I got a little bit of a smile and he kind of winked at, he winked at me. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And so later on, you know, when the press conference was over and the other thing that I remember is there were some of the photographers actually making really snide comments. You know, it's like, oh, who's this little girl with this point and shoot or, oh, that camera's not going to get anything good or who does she think she is with that piece of junk? And really, they, and I was really, I was really upset. And at times I was biting my lip to keep from crying or from saying something very unladylike. And so when they were all done, um, he motioned to me to come over and he said, he said, come sit down here. And he said, what are you shooting with? And I said, oh, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing good. And he said, it's not what you shoot with, it's how you shoot. And so we started chatting. And so he started looking through on the screen and he pointed at this one photograph I'd taken and it was black and white. And he pointed and he said, they took photos of me you captured me. There's a difference. Don't ever forget that. And so um, before he left to go back to New York, his assistant at the time said, gosh, is there any way we could get a, a copy of that picture? Gordon said, you took a picture of him. I'm like, sure, you know, and literally, you know, we're talking Gordon Parks, who, you know, sends his stuff out to be developed or develops in a dark room. And what did I do? I uploaded the photo to Walmart one hour photo and got an eight by 10 print. And I went and got a double mat and I matted it and I sent it. And then um, when he passed away, uh, when his family brought him back to Fort Scott for his funeral, his family actually asked me if I would take photographs at the graveside. And they didn't allow any press photographers at the graveside, but they asked if I would photograph him photograph at the graveside and then literally and so I did I put in a clean camera card I photographed and by that time I had upgraded to another camera that was better but I handed them a memory card and said here you just take the card you don't need to give it back to me and I don't care if I ever see what I shot you keep what you want and just get rid of the rest and they said that's why we asked you because we knew you would understand and they said but you took a photo of, of dad that he really liked. And I was blown away. And 
today, if you go to the cemetery, uh, if you go to the cemetery in Fort Scott where he's buried, on his headstone, there is a photo that's inset on the headstone, and it's the photograph I took of Gordon. Michelle, that is amazing. What an incredible story. And you know, that reminds me, and we, we need to take a break real quick, but when we come back, talk about capturing somebody, I want to talk, talk about our buddy Bob Zabo. Oh. So come back from break, we're going we're gonna to talk about yeah. Bob. And if you aren't familiar with Bob's work, you will be blown away. We'll yes, be right back. A trade route was opened from Missouri in the United States across prairies and mountains to Mexico. In 2021, we will mark 200 years of epic conflicts and grand adventures, larger-than-life personalities, and sweeping landscapes. Join us on an historic journey. The Santa Fe Trail lives on. Find us on social media or santafetrail.org. Welcome to the Western Kansas Wildlife Travel Center right here in my hometown of Oakley, Kansas. We're the front door of Western Kansas, located on three main highways, I-70, US-83, and US-40. And all those roads lead to history, beautiful scenery, and adventure, no matter which direction you go. We now have an IHOP brand that you've trusted up and down the road in all your travels is staffed with local folks, real people, just like you and me, and we're waiting on you to join us. So for fun, adventure, fuel up, fuel your body, and let's have some fun. Welcome back, everybody. And we were just talking about some of Michelle's incredible experiences with photography. And she was talking about capturing the person. And I'll have to tell you, I have seen some amazing photographers, but Michelle, you'll remember this well. When we were on the set of Bad Blood, the award-winning film that our buddies at Wide Awake Films did, and Bob Zabo was on hand, and he was doing his wet plate photography. Michelle, I have never seen another photo of you like the one that Bob made. And again, I would be standing there watching and I'd see the people sitting there posing, but what he captured was unbelievable. It's like um, they talk about capturing somebody's soul. He does it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And uh, incredible. So. Tell them, Michelle, because you, as a photographer, understand his process better than I do, but he uses a wet plate process. So what, how's that different? What's, what's that like? Well, um, I shoot digital. I used to shoot film, but I shoot digital. Uh, so everything is processed on the camera. It goes to a memory card. You pop it in your computer, and then you can work with it in Photoshop. Bob Zabo for lack of a better way of, of describing it, he shoots real old school. Mm -hmm. He shoots wet plate photography. And when I say wet plate photography, folks, think the photographer who has the large box camera that sits on the wooden tripod and he loads your plate in from the top, your glass plate or your metal plate in from the top. 
and then he pulls the curtain around himself to make sure no light gets in that he doesn't want. And then you remove that lens cap. You capture that image for a period of time and then you put the lens cap back on, you uncover yourself, you pull the plate out and the plate then goes into a developing solution. And that's why it's called wet plate because that plate goes right into the wet developing chemicals. And Bob shoots old school. Um, I've also seen Bob shoot with high-end digital. And if you take one of Bob's digital photos and put it next to one of his wet plate photos, you could have him sit in the same location and take the same image of the same person. And he could go ahead and open that digital image up in uh, Photoshop. He could tweak it, work with it. But there's just something deep and resonant and soulful about what he captures with the wet plate. Unreal. Part of it is the amount of time that you have to sit there and be completely still to be able to get that exposure time you need. That's part of it. So you as the person being photographed as the subject, you have to be very mindful of yourself, of your body, of your breath. And granted, he photographed me I was portraying Mahala Doyle, mm -hmm. uh, the widow of one of the widows of the Pottawatomie Creek Massacre. And I was sitting and I had a Bible on my lap. I had my hands um, holding the Bible so I could have my arms resting and I could sit, but I had to be completely still. And you're literally monitoring your breath making sure you don't move and you have to be completely in yourself and aware of what you're doing. And Bob has to be aware of that too. And he's a master of light and shadow and balance. And I've never seen more incredible photographs of living historians than I have seen of Bob's and also his landscapes, um, his abstracts. Um, he does phenomenal work. I know he recently said he was getting ready. I believe he's going back to either Yellowstone or Yosemite. Yosemite, uh, Yosemite to photograph with wet plate. Um, one of his wet mentors kind of in the wet plate photography world passed away not too long ago. And I know he was going back, I think, you know, because A, because he wanted to go back, but also really is an homage to um, one of his dear friends and mentors who we learned from. And I have to say, um, there's nobody better than Bob. Um, not too long ago when the film, The Conspirator came out, the story of, um, you know, uh, Mary Surratt, um, it was produced by Robert Redford's company. And uh, there was a photograph, they wanted a photograph of Robert Redford uh, for a story that was going to run about the movie and Bob Zabo did the wet plate photograph of Robert Redford. And it's probably one of the most amazing images I've ever seen of Robert Redford. Well, I'll tell you this, Michelle, while you were sitting there and while our other friends were sitting there and I was watching and I was watching you and I was watching Bob, he caught expressions that nobody else saw. Mm -hmm. I, and it's a fact. It was like something magic happens. That photo he did of Hig that day, I have never 
seen a an image of him like that. So whatever Bob does, it's just like you were talking about capturing, um, you know, the soul and following your gut and your instinct. It's magic. Mm -hmm. It's absolute magic. And I know that a lot of photographers, um, especially a lot of the ones we know, have that ability to, like you said, see a moment the way nobody else sees it. And that's your gift. You know, that yeah. is the gift is to be able to see everybody else is looking at the same thing, but right. you see something different. And, you know, we get examples of that all the time in Kansas with monument rocks. How many times can you take oh. a picture of monument rocks? Mm -hmm. And then I'll see one that just blows me away where somebody went and they had a whole different perspective. It, it's just, I'm like, I, I've never seen it look like that. Where were they standing? What were they yeah. seeing? And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how yeah. you can get all these people to look at the same thing and get something different. Well, you know, the image behind me, this one of the grass with the ice drops, these ice drops on it. Um, this is this is my favorite because I had it on a tripod. I had the exposure set a little longer. I was playing with things, but I also have one where I backed backed out further, a little further away from it, and it doesn't look anywhere nearly the same. It just looks like grass. It looks like grass with a lot of maybe dew, but when you get in closer, you realize these are little beads of ice. So it's my. People ask me quite often, you know, what do I do to take better pictures? And I tell people, one, don't worry about the camera you don't have. Worry about the camera you have. If the only thing you have with you is your cell phone, then use it to its best advantage. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's learning how to play with the settings on your cell phone camera itself, or it's looking for a great photography app that uses your cell phone camera and gives you more ability to control light and shadow and depth and color. There are a lot of apps out there that you can find that do that. Then my other piece of advice is look for what interests you. Don't think about what will interest anybody else. If you find things that interest you and you photograph them with that passion, then other people are going to pick up on that and will see that in your work. Um, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times um, living in Fort Scott, I, Fort, I took photographs at living history events at Fort Scott. I'd be dressed in my living history clothing. I have my camera gear hidden in my basket covered in, in you know, some towels or, you know, uh, covered with a bonnet or whatever to hide it. And then when the public wasn't looking, I'd get my camera out and take photos or, um, we'd be watching some of our friends, the Gum Spring Serenaders play music and I'd be watching them. But what interested me was not the whole photograph of our friend Carl Anderton playing banjo, but focusing in on his hands playing banjo or focusing in on, you know, um, our soldiers who were doing drills, focusing in on faces or focusing in on hands on weapons or, Focusing in on detail. So if something catches your attention and you find it interesting, follow it, go with it, because you're going to go ahead and be making really it's a, for me, photography in many ways is about making myself happy. Yeah. I mean, folks, to be honest, 
for me, when I lived in Kansas, I went through some extremely difficult personal times. And Deb knows, Deb and I have been friends for a very long time and she knows. And for me, photography became a way to combat, and I'll be very honest, folks, it was a way to combat loneliness. It was a, ba- a way to combat depression, homesickness, because when I lived in Kansas, I loved it, but I was also homesick for my family in Michigan. Um, it was a way for me to get out and explore and feel adventurous. And having the camera in my hand, a map, because our cell phones didn't have GPS at the time, folks, uh, when I was in Kansas, when I first moved there. For me, it was about having a map, a route, a phone, a full tank of gas, a camera with fully charged batteries, and a lot of extra memory cards. And it was about exploring. It was about connecting with the world around me, about connecting with myself, and doing something that gave me pure unadulterated joy and relaxation and i think that's why so many of my photos mine over over time have touched people um where people have said to me could i please have a copy of that photo i really love that photo um and i'm always humbled i'm always humbled by that because i never think that my work is good enough um but it's about joy Jump in, Michelle, because that is my sister to a T. My sister, mm-hmm. who is a bookkeeper, uh, she got all the math genes in the family. She is a wonderful photographer, but her photography, just like you were talking, is therapy. And like I'm yeah. telling you, when I was there over the end of tax season a couple of weeks ago, um, she would just, her mind couldn't take anymore. And mm-hmm. we get the car, like you said, a full tank yeah. of gas just go explore and it really didn't matter which direction it didn't matter uh you know what um what subject it was it's like she always finds something unique and she sees you know beauty and and something different you Mm -hmm. know every way she looks and the result are some wonderful really wonderful photos she's been taking photographs for a long time too and and uh, has stepped up the cameras over the years, but you're mm-hmm. right, exactly. You know what you what you've got, and right. that that vision, and then it's just it just feeds her soul, and then she comes back ready to tackle all those horrible numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, Deb, it's interesting because um, my dad, um, after my mom passed away in 2016 my dad became even more involved in volunteering at school back home. And he volunteers as a coach for girls, high school, cross country and track and varsity basketball. And one of the things my dad started doing as a volunteer coach, he started uh, taking pictures and he had a little point and shoot and it was really hard to get the best pictures. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up finally, I had amassed so much camera gear over the years. Um, I ended up shipping him one of mine with a lens and everything. And my dad, I think, and I'm not sure he realizes it, but not only his volunteering this therapy, but also taking pictures, I think became a form of therapy for him too. It gave him something to channel some of his energy into. Um, It gave him something to do so he wasn't at home. 
um, in a house by himself. And especially after our beloved dog died, um, a couple of years after my mom passed, our dog died. And so then dad was really alone in the house. And so he always has a camera with him. And so whether he's coaching basketball or whether he's at cross country or track, he takes pictures. He, he then uploads them. He prints photos for the girls. Um, he gives photos to the team, to the coaches, to all the girls. And he has so many of the young ladies on the team who come back and say, Mr. Martin, this is like the best picture of me shooting free throws ever. Or or oh my gosh thank you and you know it brings these young ladies who are athletes that he's coaching it brings them happiness and joy and so photography really folks it's about finding joy and your sister's right um yeah definitely after tax season you've got to get out you've got to get away from the computer and the numbers and for me um really in photography still is and until my dissertation is complete i'm not going to get that opportunity to do it as much but um when i lived in kansas my good friend carrie west who i worked at fort scott with um carrie um bought one of my cameras when i upgraded carrie bought one of mine real cheap she still shoots with it um and she has still a great little camera and um we always you know we at times would go out and be able to do girls photo trips and she came to arizona to, to visit me when i moved here and we did just that we both had it was gps places to see full tanks of gas snacks drinks in the car and cameras and off we went and it's an adventure and what's great about it you're able to relive that adventure and those those great feelings when you look at those photos Oh, we're, we're really blessed to live in a time where we've got the technology to mm -hmm. save those moments because photography has not really been around that long, you know, yeah. before that the artist had to capture it. So yeah, we're really blessed. And now we have all these incredible images. And if you would like to share yours with us, yeah. you know, by all means, messages, share those on our Facebook page. And like I said, I, I troll looking for cool images all the time to put on uh, the cover page of Around Kansas. And fortunately, I never have to search long. There's always some amazing shots out there. And there's a lot of um, photography pages on Facebook too that um, people talk about the settings, you know, people who yeah. are more interested in the technical things. And so they talk about the settings that they use, the filters. There's um, some folks and, you know, and there's uh, different ideas about this, but I actually love it doing composite photos mm -hmm. and that's art, you know, that yeah. really is art. And um, I think it's good to say this is a composite, you know, right. because, um, but there's some spectacular images, you know, some beautiful things coming out of that. And I love those too. And I love sharing those. And, you know, I, I add, if I think of it, um, that it's a composite work, but man, it still takes an incredible mm -hmm. artful eye to see that and put it together. So, yeah. you know, Deb, when I worked for Bill Curtis, um, and I did a lot of work related to media and PR for his tall grass beef company, one time we were looking at doing some special advertising pieces that were three-dimensional where you would turn the item and it would move it was the three-dimensional mm -hmm. and so we needed images 
of different things to create the composite to create the 3D right. effect. And I was amazed because we needed different layers of grass and prairie flowers, and we needed a different tree and cattle and sky and clouds. And so the company that we were working with, they said, well, you know, if you give us the images, we'll composite them together. And because that was beyond my capability to do that, to create the 3D composite, but it took over 200 images that I had shot to create this 3D piece. Um, and then, you know, you, you turn it and it looks like it moves and then it, you see the company logo and it goes back and forth. And you're right, compositing like that is really incredible because you're able to put a lot of things together. And so, you know, it's just photography and Kansas go hand in hand because you've got wide open, you've got wide open spaces where you can see forever. You've got places that have great visual impact and interest. I think about the Jip Hills, the Gypsum Hills. I think about the Tallgrass Prairie. I think about different towns that are historic where you've got beautiful historic architecture where the details of architecture become pieces of photographic art themselves. Uh, so folks, there's so much to explore in Kansas with your camera. And like I say, the best camera is the one you have Follow your heart and your gut and your instinct and what you like and what's interesting to you and get out and enjoy the fact that we can move about in Kansas and capture all of its beauty in any form. And if you're looking for something to photograph, Buffalo Bill is always here for you. So I, um, there's not a bad picture of Buffalo Bill, no. I promise you. So this has been great today. Just wonderful to have you all with us. Join us again next time. In the meantime, I'm Deb Goodrich. And I'm Michelle Martin. And we shall see you somewhere around Kansas. <laughs> Bye. Howdy. I'm Seth Hayes and welcome to my hometown from then to now. Council Grove has a rich history as deep as the prairie tall grass. Spend the day visiting 25 historic sites or explore the unique shops and restaurants or mosey out of town along the Santa Fe Trail. Y'all visit my hometown, Council Grove in the heart of the Flint Hills. Okay, looks like it's time for our tour. Welcome to the Fort Wallace Museum. Here at the museum, you're gonna find some really interesting stuff like our replica stagecoach from the Butterfield Overland Dispatch. We've got facades from the fort buildings. And we've got an 1870s flag. There's a plesiosaur that was discovered locally. We've got the Ray pump organ collection. We're a little bee place with a great big story and we'd love to have you.